At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Revived Thoughts is a production of Revive Studios. This is Troy and Joel, and you're listening to Revive Thoughts. Hey, everybody. We have another revived conversation coming at you today. This is a type of episode where Troy and I discuss something in relation to church history and how it affects our lives today. We have covered the gamut. We've talked about uh, uh, money. We've talked about social economical situations in church <laughs> history and how they apply today. Um, today... Troy had the idea to talk about technology. We so I think the reason this episode has kind of stood out to me is there. This is from early on in Revive Thoughts history. I I can't even remember how early on. Probably from the first year we did it. There was this sermon I was reading by D. L. Moody, and he had this quote that has kind of always stuck with me. And I I remember reading it and going, huh. But he basically was talking about how technology, he, he was talking about the, the spread of the gospel and how the gospel is moving around the world. And he was kind of calling out his congregations. And he was like, you guys are should be doing so much more than you are. He said, you know, like, look at what the telegram can do. Like, you can send a message from one side of the country to the other, and it gets there in like, you know, a few minutes. He's like, think of what we could be doing. Think of how many messages we could be sending out to the world and moving the gospel without even having to be in the same room as the people so much faster than the printing press and we're not using it to share the gospel in the ways that we should and we're not getting the word of God out as much as we can he's like what a shame and and Moody was saying was saying basically like imagine what Martin Luther or, or John Calvin or some of those early guys could have done if they just had a telegram and he's like you're at where we are with our telegrams our great technology and we're failing to get the gospel out and of course I don't know if you're feeling the same way I did, but hearing that 200 years later, I was like, you know, reading that, I was like, whew, uh, man, we, we would have really made the L. Moody, I think, a bit disappointed <laughs> if he had such high expectations for the telegram. Um, what would he think of all the technology, you know, that we have today and how much these technologies can be used, could be used to share the gospel and live godly lives. And yet I think if I'm speaking not but for just only myself, hopefully, uh, it oftentimes is not. And oftentimes these technologies are actually snares to our walks with God. 
And I just have always thought about that where I'm like, Matt, wow, what would, you know, what would, it, I even throw this probably question, I probably put this question on Twitter, now known as X, I guess, uh, probably once every two or three months. But I say like, what would Martin Luther be like on Twitter? And I'm not the first person to ask that question, but it's always fun to kind of get the responses. Um, but just thinking about how do we use technology? Are we using technology in a, in a way that would, would really impress the world? And how, how are we supposed to use technology? Like what, what does church history bring to bear on the way that we use these devices today? Because I actually think that like DL Moody said, I think they actually do have some thoughts on how to use these things. Yeah. And I feel like we come at it in this conversation from a few different key points. Cause I am, some would say pretty tech savvy, you know. Like I am, I am into that tech life. I am Joel all is about being technology modest. Joel and, is a is way good at tech. He's he's tech guy. Like he's pretty smart. Uh, we'll uh, he does super good research on what equipment to buy, and he he knows what he's talking about. Him him and my wife can sit there and read through Amazon and and be like, you gotta buy this speaker or you gotta buy this microphone, and I'm like. <laughs> I cannot tell you the difference between one or the other. I couldn't. It, Troy, it is literally Greek yeah. to me. Troy is, he's young in body, but in spirit, <laughs> he is a 89-year-old man. 1,000%. Is complaining complaining about his day uh, where all you had to do was put the stylus on the uh, vinyl yes. record and have the music play. You didn't have F to mess finally, with Finally, can we get in good music, not the music the kids listen to today, okay? I'm talking the good stuff back from the those days. You want the, I, the warbly <laughs> record player. I will say, like, I drive my kids crazy with this because I teach students. And, I mean, I, I cannot tell you guys, I, just, I look around the room and I go, put your tech away. Put it up, put the laptops down, <laughs> put your tablets down. You're going to get a piece of paper and you're going to write notes the old fashioned way because you're not paying attention. And they, they do, they struggle. They, the students cannot, like some of them can't, but many of them cannot multitask and many of them are not even trying. They're trying to play video games or something like that. It, look, not, not trying to give you an insight into how the world of high schoolers work, uh, especially because every once in a while they'll tell me they're listening, which is always kind of weird to think about. But, um, yeah, we Joel and I could not be probably more opposite ends of the spectrum if you like went and looked for two people who were going to have the opposite ends of the spectrum. And yet, <laughs> I feel like uh there which we say this while we're both on a podcast talking to people while we're in different countries. So, you know, we have that going for us. And yeah, I feel like there's kind of two general approaches to discussions on technology, and they're both right in a sense. And that is uh on the one side, we have new tech. Like D.L. Moody said, we have these technologies. We should be using them to glorify God. How do we use all these new technologies today to get the message of the gospel out there and to reach as many as people as possible? And then there's the reverse message, which is technology is such a dangerous trap. There's so many people who are getting their lives ruined it for various ways. How do we as Christians live separate from that and live a God-honoring, holy lifestyle where we show that we're different from the world by not being trapped by technology and all the technology around us. I think it has always been the same, right? I, I mean, we can look at today's day and age, and I mean, and arguably, we've had a great technology boom in the past century, and that's great. But there has always been luxuries of modern society that have been luring and distracting for everyone you know for citizens if, i mean look at a lot of paul's complaints to the church of corinthian and, and other letters 
Um, people are finding plenty of things to keep themselves from walking in step with the spirit. That's uh, nothing new. And I don't think nothing that could be attributed exclusively to the introduction of modern day technology. I, I agree. I, I think so. I'm sure there are people at the time at the telegram booths going, you guys are going to get addicted to these, these Morse codes and you're going to spend all your time reading them and not enough time reading good old fashioned It's human books. nature. Yeah. Right. Although what's funny, I, this is actually a, a history prediction I saw one time where there was, it was like oh, 150 years ago and it was back when they had those, um, what are those like xylophone thingies where like you would, you would record your voice. Um, is that what they were called? What are they called? Those, the phonograph, the phonographs, oh. the, those phonograph thingies. Um, the I still don't know what you're talking about, but keep going. <laughs> the old thing where it would record your voice on like a disc, and that old thingamajig, which uh, w- w- which I should know because in my spirit, that's probably the kind of stuff I list I would have liked. There was this. I remember this guy was basically writing down like, if we let them record our voices in the phonographs, we should destroy the technology, burn the blueprints, get rid of them. Because if we do that now, think about it. In the future, people could put giant phonographs behind walls and record everything you say, and you could be recorded, and you wouldn't even know it. And on the one hand, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Like, why would we put giant these giant recording devices uh, behind walls? And then, yet on the other side of it, isn't that exactly the world we live into? We live in now, where how many times do you walk into a store? How many times are you on camera a day, and you don't even know it, right? Like, I mean, you're mm. you're constantly being filmed and recorded. Your voice is probably heard on other people's stuff all the time, and you don't even think about it, right? Like the 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 world the the world that guy feared of giant phonographs recording you through a wall was it was nothing compared to the actual world we live in and we really don't think about it so there's this one side of it where like there's always a warning with technology that this technology Mm -hmm. could be go could go bad and on the other side of it it we can't you can't stop it like technology is it is very much like thanos from iron man just feels very inevitable like every time people scream stop don't do that anymore it always gets worse, right? When people created the atomic bomb, they were like, this is the worst thing ever. We shouldn't do it. And five minutes later, we created a much stronger version of it called the hydrogen bomb, right? Like, I mean, we just, technology has this inevitability, kind of unlike almost anything else, where the more it feels like we try to rein it in, the more it just continues to Mm -hmm. spread and spread. Now, one positive side that I see in church history that doesn't get talked about a lot, but having listened to every episode of Martyrs and Missionaries, this one really stands out to me. Travel is so different now because of technology. I fly to Indonesia. I just flew back this summer. It's a long trip. I don't like making it. It's several days of traveling on an airplane um, and layovers and all that nonsense. But boy, you know, it is a lot faster than it used to be, right? In the 1800s with the best ships, that was a three to five month traveling. And that was with the best, fastest ships. And 200 years before that, you know, why weren't there many missionaries to Indonesia? Because nobody could get there. <laughs> there nobody could even get there alive. Technology in the traveling world has connected us in ways that would blow our minds. When I think of like Hudson Taylor or John G. Payton or some of these great missionaries of the past, William Carey, if they could travel at the speeds that we do, if they could just hop on a plane and go to another continent and be there in like 36 hours or 24 hours, they, I mean, they would be so amazed that we live with that technology every day and that we don't just thank God for it constantly, I think. And I think they would go, how do you, like, 
Do you know how hard it was to get missionaries on the field when basically you would get on a boat and there's a very good chance you would never see your family again? It would be years before you did. And when you get out there, you'd be so lucky to make another trip home. And it would, it would, and you, you guys can do it in a day. I think they would be blown away that we are so sleepy in the world of missions when in that sense mm-hmm. we have it so easy. It's interesting to see how, yeah, society acclimates and transitions, shifts into a new, yeah, society altogether uh, in, in ways that we look back on previous societies and go, why did you act like that? Why did you do that? Um, and it's something that we, we in the moment, can't really pin down or, or point a finger at most of the time. I feel, I feel like there are some, some, you know, definitely defining moments in history, but a lot of the time it's a gradual just movement of society. I saw a really interesting video about um, how clocks kind of just change society altogether um, because for, you know, the majority of human existence, there wasn't there, there were no clock towers in your Times Square that were telling people uh, what time it was. And so the whole society of work was different. You know, people worked less. Um, you know, your start and stop times were less defined, things like that. But when you can Yeah, I guess you wouldn't have like a 15-minute break because who would even right. know if it's been 15 minutes or not? Right. You'd have like an afternoon break, you know, like, or, you know, kind of your siesta style of, uh, of work day where you would, you would take a break in the afternoon, maybe take a nap if you want. Uh, and like, it seems like pre clocks, people worked like maybe six hours a day. Like that was like a a full day's work. It seems it's, it, because again, how do you regulate and judge that thing? You have to go with kind of the cadence of the body and the cadence of the day. I don't know. This video just really explained how clocks affected capitalism in a way that no one could really predict, you know, before that, uh, because when you can, yeah, uh, uh, define start days and end days. And what's more is when you can define things that people can spend money on with money that they can work more to get, it just, it fuels a capitalistic society. Um, and today in America, that's all society is. It's just one big capitalistic society. And it, you can make a very sound argument that it all rooted back on clocks being introduced in society. I don't know. The video did a much better job explaining it than I did. Yeah, I but, think you did good. I will um, say, oh, sorry, I have way more thoughts on where we get the modern workday from because it's also comes from, me. it actually also comes from manager theory. So in the late 1800s, uh, this basically idea that you could order society and these scientists basically tried to apply that to how, like, if you can order animals and you can order the cells, why couldn't you order humans? And so they blended this idea of management society where basically these guys, and you can go look it up, like, look at management theory. By the way, one of the biggest proponents of management theory who loved it so much, he invited the uh, founder of it to Italy to speak was Mussolini. So, I mean, this thing had a huge impact on the world this management theory and this guy basically created this idea like if we put people into this place and they watch your hours and consult you we can build a work day that will like control the workers and we can get the most output out of it it's a crazy thing management theory and it kind of goes under the radar but so much of the world that we live in today was based on these scientists turning around and going we think we can get humans to work at like a maximum output level uh, and they would go consult factories, consult businesses, say, hey, if you do this, you'll, your factory will be better. And the funny thing was a lot of their like results and evidence wasn't really 
like didn't really pan out, but just the idea that it sounded scientific worked for a lot of people. They were like, sure, let's try it because the science is saying, you know, it sounds really good on theory. Um, so that's kind of like the other half of it after the clocks were invented, the, the, the science of management theory. So anyway, I know that if, if, if that's of interest to you as it is to me, I'm sure you really enjoyed these last uh, couple minutes there. Sorry, Joel. No, you're, I mean, it makes sense. Who doesn't want to maximize performance, even yeah. or even just the idea of it, whether whether you can actually do it or not, you know, but the, the idea of it is uh, worth investing in for a lot of people. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Um, one piece of technology that I can think of that changed the horse of change the horse change the course <laughs> of church history forever um a, a little machine you might have heard of called the printing press i was gonna say that joel i am glad you jumped in on that one because that was actually it was funny because you were like a lot of technologies we don't really notice their impact over time and as soon as you said that i was like but there is one and that is the mm -hmm. printing press time literally shifts after the printing press hits Europe. And yes, technically the printing press was probably invented in China. However, it really is different when it comes to Europe in 1453. And there is just a difference in the world when you can read something and you can mass produce that item that you're reading. And I don't think, I mean, we're right now talking about this in the month of October. And of course, the month of October always strikes the mind of Protestants, reminds us all of what Martin Luther did on October 31st. If you don't know, a lot of people celebrate that as kind of Reformation Day or remembering of Martin Luther nailing the 95 Theses and kind of starting this whole uh, thing. It has been pointed out by many people, would that have actually changed the course of history without the printing press? Because somebody took those 95 Ring. theses, took them to the printing press, and started making mass copies of them. And mass copies of them back then is probably like, you know, maybe maybe at most like, what, 100 a day? But that was enough, right? That got the message rolling on out there, and people were paying, you know, a penny to read Luther's 95 theses. If you had to take each of those theses by hand and write them down, his message very likely would not have spread. How much of even everything we look around us today, Christianity-wise, what exists because 100 years, you know, not even 100, about 50, 60 years before Martin Luther, right. somebody invented the printing press. Yeah, I've often had that thought. For, from a purely sociological uh, viewpoint, I mean, obviously, when the Holy Spirit's at work, crazy things happen but from a, a purely purely 
societal viewpoint, I don't think the Great Reformation happens if the printing press did not exist in that era. Like, that is... Because we see other pre-Reformation attempts, pre-printing press, pre-printing press, that didn't take hold. And I think that's a huge factor about that. Communication is such a huge facet to what, uh, what happened with the Great Reformation. Yeah, and, and you just look at how much writing and reading, if you look at the Reformers, how much they did. Martin Luther, I think somebody said to just read all of his words for 10 hours a day, just just that he wrote down. I believe it was Brian Wolfmuller who said that if you did that every day for 10 hours a day, it would take you 10 years to read everything he wrote down. I, now, I don't know if that's true. Can't verify it myself. But still, that's a lot of writing. Obviously, you'll never get it done. Each of these guys, John Calvin, uh, all those guys from that era that we've talked about on our show, uh, they wrote so much. And they would write back and forth. They would respond back and forth. And it's just hard to imagine that would have been a, would have been capable without that printing press. Uh, people often talk about, well, you know, this was also around the same era that schooling really came to be as, as the Protestants wanted to teach their children to read and write. But could you have done that without the printing press? Uh, Geneva, where John Calvin runs that city and turns it into this bastion of Protestantism that, you know, we've talked about the good and bad sides of it, but one of the really good sides of being in Geneva is they had, I think it was 41 different printing press, like publishing houses inside of that one city. It was a very literate, I mean, it was a completely literate city and they were getting educational materials flowing out of them to the entire world, all because of the printing press, all because they took this piece of technology that to them was cutting edge, right? And they ran with it and and used it to transform uh, the entire world. And his, it just, you can't, it is impossible to really fathom them doing it without using that printing press, without being on the cutting edge of what was going on there. Yeah, I mean, at its root, it's about uh, that communication. And I, I personally, that's something that resonates with me on an on a worldview level, on a Christian worldview level, level uh, God's desire to communicate with us, you know, that we see throughout the prophets, that we see throughout the scriptures that he provided for us, that we see through the embodiment of him in his son, Jesus, like that is things that um, I take personally in a good way. Like God really went out of his way to communicate to us. And that charge to communicate what he has communicated to us to others um, is one that, um, again, resonates with me uh, in in a deep way. Uh my wife and I work as missionary videographers, so we we travel all around the world and we document how God is working around the world. We make videos communicating, you know, what needs still exist around the world, and it's born from that same idea, that same idea that we want to show people uh, what God is doing. We want to show people um, people that still need to hear the gospel, um, needs that still exist. And we can do that in today's day and age in a way that we could never do that in the past. I mean, there were people that um, did things like this, but even 20 years ago, I mean, you, or, you, the, the, the way technology has progressed to where, I mean, the camera that's in your cell phone today, I couldn't have dreamt of working with 20 years ago. Um, and now I can take a backpack with me that has 8K cameras in it and capture 
uh, people and interactions and and uh, stories in a way that people 40 years ago couldn't have dreamt of because they would have had to haul giant film magazines around, expensive film magazines, you know? Uh, it's become so compact and so affordable to communicate um, on a visual level, on, you know, on a very uh, personal level in a ways that uh, a society has never seen before. And I see that as a great tool and something that's, you know, the Lord can use to work in the hearts of people. Uh, and that's something that gets me really excited. But um, it's, it makes me really, I, I feel privileged to be alive and doing this in this era. Because if I had the same burden again 50 years ago, I don't know what I would do. It would take an army of people. It would take several suitcase luggage, you know, things. It would take more money than I don't know how we would ever be able to raise. Uh, and today it's relatively easier and more affordable to do the exact same thing that would have been very challenging to do back then. So um, it's neat to see how technology has enabled us to tell stories about how God is working uh, in that same way that... Yeah, the printing press helped communicate. It's a vital part to our workflow. And again, almost on a Christian worldview level, I find it a duty, you know, a, a charge, a calling to uh, be good stewards of technology to use them to communicate what God has told us to communicate. If I can kind of steer us in the opposite directions where my old man side hits it, Technology Light it all is on, on fire, Troy. That's thank you. You just <laughs> made such an like. inspirational usage of it. Yeah. Now I've got to come back on the other side because because I think you're completely correct. But we would not be doing our audience service if we did not also point out that technology is also a huge pitfall. And I I know I'm saying that so ironically as I'm recording this on a podcast that 20 years ago this technology was barely a thing and people. Barely, you know, the idea, I don't even know if the word podcast had hardly even been invented yet. Yet, um, I think there's a story. We talked about it when we did our episode on St. Nicholas. Super good episode. You should go check it out. And <laughs> I, I don't say super good because I think we're super amazing. But I just, I love the shows that we've done. I love the research and the history. Like, I love the stories that we've been able to tell. I think they're super interesting. I, 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 I don't, I, I love what we put out. I love what Revive Thoughts gets to do. And when the St. Nicholas episode happened, we talked about how when they started sending like Merry Christmas cards, it was partially because Britain had basically made it a penny. One penny could get you a card sent to anyone. But quickly they had this problem. No, this is actually St. Valentine's. This is a St. Valentine's Day episode. And they had this problem where people started sending hate mail to each other. It was send like, because you could do it for one penny, you could anonymously send these horrible, horrible cards to people on Valentine's Day that were just vulgar, mean, cruel. And, uh, and it was just amazing to me how quickly humans got this new piece of technology, got this advancement, and instantly turned it into something nasty. <laughs> like, uh, sure, there were good cards going through the mail, but they had a real, like, massive problem of just these poor, you know, women uh, checking their mailbox on Valentine's Day and having, like, 30 cards calling them ugly. And it was like, whoa, like, what? What happened that humans can just do that, basically, where we'll take something so naturally good and flip it on its head? We had this we had this sermon. It was our first sermon 
uh, by D.L. Moody. And wow, this is like a D.L. Moody episode. Um, but anyway, D.L. Moody did a sermon on temptation. And he talked about these four types of temptation. And when you first hear them, they sound so quaint. But when you really think about them, they're all the same, te- they're all the same sins we have today. And, the, and the, the sins were going to the theater, uh, spending too much time, and leisure at the park. Um, uh, what was the other two? Uh, spending too much time uh, watching the athletes play at your local sports arena and um, reading the newspapers too much. And like on the surface, those complaints sound really quaint to us, don't they? It's like uh, I don't, you know, I don't go to the local play all that often. I don't read newspapers. We do. Do they even sell newspapers in most places? Um, you know, this is not something we can we can really relate to. But if you boil down and actually like look at what he was comp- what he was saying, you would see that he said like, look, the theater is full of sensual entertainment that's either violent or sexual, and you Christians shouldn't be a part of that. And that's certainly still true today. How many how much many massive millions and maybe even billions of dollars come out of Christians' pockets every year, month even? to go towards entertainment complexes that create, you know, sexually lewd, vulgar, violent, uh, profane things that are not honoring to God, right? And we're certainly not innocent of that. Um, Newspapers, we don't read newspapers maybe, but certainly there are many of us who spend way too much time reading the news and getting way too involved in the daily day-to-day minutia of that kind of stuff and letting that control our lives. Leisure, how many people just spend technology and all their time relaxing and trying to relax after a hard day? And that can also be a real problem for us. And then lastly, uh, sports. Uh, That has not changed either. Many people use technology to keep up-to-date minute-to-minute on these sports. And not that these are all necessarily evil things, but just has technology helped us grow closer to our walk in God, or do we let some of these things control us? And I think that D.L. Moody is right, even though it's been 140 years and the shape has changed, technology has still kept us in those four basic areas where we do spend too much time many times on those four basic things. The, te- the, the way we do it has changed. The technology has changed. But if anything, we're probably more addicted. Instead of just reading a morning newspaper for two hours and putting it down, we can we can follow the news all day long. We can follow sports all day long. We can watch sports all around the world at all times. It's, it's actually gotten worse, right? And I think if we were to go back in time and tell Moody or tell Calvin or tell Luther, you wouldn't believe it, but in the future, people will be addicted to this little glowing box, so much so that they will sit in a room, in a restaurant, full of people, and they won't talk to each other because they will just be sitting there communicating on their devices. We've all been at a restaurant. We've all seen it where we're out and about. We look around, and we're chatting with our friends, and we realize we're the only ones talking in the restaurant. Every single other person is just staring at their phone. And I think if we told people 150, 200 years ago, that's what the future would look like, they would go, that is so much more dystopian than any of our predictions could have been. We could never imagine a world where people do that kind of thing. And I promise you, even if you've never seen that, because I will say when I visited America, it was refreshing to see that a lot of people are still having face-to-face conversations at restaurants. Most people kind of realize it's rude. Uh, But living over in Asia, I've lived in China, Cambodia, and now Indonesia. And there have been many times where I enter a restaurant and an entire place is packed and everyone is just staring at their phones, not talking to each other. And it's a little unnerving and it's a little sad. And it's just... I don't know. It's just another, it's just something I feel like with, with addictions to pornography or addictions to video games or addictions to just being online. People selling their you know body their body their physical cells or just the way we use technology. It is such an amazing thing that can glorify God, but it is also 
so dangerous if we just look at it as a good thing because there are many, many people whose children or whose own spouses or whose parents even have been just absolutely wrecked by the way technology has been used. And I go back to that D.L. Moody sermon and go, I think in a lot of ways he nailed it. Like these are the four temptations that we still are dealing with. People are still obsessed with those same four things. Just the way to get to it is easier now than ever before. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, we're definitely in the peak, the renaissance of personal technology in that sense. But I do think it'll even out eventually. It'll, 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 we will reach an equilibrium at time. We often talk about society having this pendulum effect over the course of hundreds of years where um, it'll swing in one direction pretty severely and then it'll normalize and then it'll swing back in the other direction pretty severely. Having a personal computer in your pocket is a new phenomenon and it's, people are very excited about it. And I totally get the the pull and allure that it has. I fully expect, I mean, you know, a hundred years from now, there to be a person-to-person movement, you know, where there will be a more non-materialistic, monastic movement that'll sweep over the world where people will uh, react to what is happening to to society now um, in a way that will bring it back into an equilibrium, maybe swing back the other direction before it comes back again. But um, it, it it is the same story of history in general i feel like the when you know in first second third century rome people coming to just think of like uh the industrialization of cities plumbing you know you're getting running water you're getting um a lot of your labor being done by animal forces now you know freeing up a lot of workforce it's introducing new luxuries bathhouses you know ways plumbing things that uh people all bad things that we don't like (laughs) well i mean uh, things that could introduce concepts like slothfulness you know in your in a life or something like that when you have a theater you know down the the road where you can see performances when you don't have to work because you have your animal turning a a, you know a wheat stone or something like that um it frees you up to get up to no good or order to be more uh selfish with your time and things like that it's something that people have always interacted with and it's something that always comes back to yeah how a person manages their time Mm -hmm. today yeah i think it's manifested in a way because of the mass population of the planet you know there we have cities packed full of millions of people we have billions of people on the planet um and so it's affecting society at a much larger scale than I feel like it's been able to do in a city of 500,000, you know, 2,000 years ago. But conceptually, I think it's still the same. And I think, again, maybe not in our lifetimes, but uh, eventually the pendulum will swing in the other direction. You're so optimistic. I always worry that technology, we learned everything we need to know about technology with the Tower of Babel, which is in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, Humanity gets this cool new technology called brick, And they immediately use it to build a tower that they try to make themselves secure in. It's supposed to be waterproof. And uh, they use it to make their, they're trying to make a name for themselves and make themselves famous. And the Lord scatters them because of their arrogance. But I always think that, man, like when humans get technology, they try to use it to make themselves secure. And they try to use it to make themselves famous. 
Yeah, and look what happened. They got knocked on their butt. Like, and they granted, did. it was due to God's divine interaction, but um, sometimes that's what it takes, and that's might be what our society takes. And there might be some catastrophic global event that oh uh, okay will, uh, that, that's, that's all that's part of society i mean you look at you look at the black death i mean there have been catastrophic global events throughout history sure but it's so much more fun to read about society. the black death than to live through a black death i mean that's why you go wow could you imagine and you put the book down and go i, I don't want to imagine it um, I'm sure there are there there's plenty of catastrophe ahead. Hopefully, well, again, actually, if we can, gone. we actually haven't mentioned this, um, and I don't want this episode to go on forever. I do. I have a I have a positive thought to leave everybody on, or at least kind of an application. Maybe it's my teachery, you know, pastoral side. I got an application, but I, you know what? You want to talk about a, a, a massive problem of technology? We didn't even get to is the way technology is used directly for evil. I mean, there are places like an entire country called China where they have a massive social surveillance system. There's 700 million cameras in that country, one camera for every two people. And they can, I mean, they have a social credit score for all of their citizens. Their people are uh, constantly being watched and graded based on how they live their lives. And it affects everything from what they can do, whether they can travel, what they can purchase, et cetera. I mean, we're talking about how technology is mostly used kind of in the West, but as somebody who's lived in the communist nation, it is certainly being used in the world to keep people under control. And as somebody who also has a foot in the third world, uh, living um, as I have in different countries there, uh, technology is also, is fastly changing the way even societies that are, you, I, it's kind of weird because out here I see technology and I can, I can order food on my phone and it shows up with a motorcycle or bringing it to me. On the one hand, it's like, wow, technology is here. And on the other hand, it's not super uncommon to see like an ox pushing farm food through a village not too far from here either. And it's just like, you're really, you know, and see older people still gathering their rice by hand. And so you really can see how the world has sped up and the world is still the same. It's really odd and an interesting thing to see what parts of technology have struck the world. And yet that same person who's gathering rice with their hands also has a smartphone. And it's just a weird dichotomy of the world that we live in today, how technology doesn't just affect this one side of the world. Today, it affects everybody all at once. You know, when they invented the muskets and started using them in Europe, it didn't really change life that much for people in the middle of Africa, and it wouldn't change life for them for a very long time, right? It took a while before that technology reached their doorstep. It took a while before it reached the people. Now, it had a huge effect when it got to the people in South America, but it took a while for it to get there. Um, now, a phone is invented that we all we all thought was a high technology 12 years ago, and the whole world's using it. The whole world is using it at the same time, and that is just... It's just wild how that aspect of things have changed. It's being used for good. And, you know, we're using it right now, hopefully, to edify God's name and to put podcasts and technology and resources out there that are good. But there are people out there using these same things for massive evil that people couldn't have dreamed of. And it, it, again, it's just this thing that you can't, you cannot stop it on the one hand, but you also need to be aware that in your own personal life, it can be a real danger or real blessing. Now, my application my drop, my walk away. You're listening to this episode. You go, okay, you guys have talked about it. It can be good. It can be mm. bad. What do I do in your own? I, I think about the pamphleteers in the 1800s, especially these guys had these knowledge. They had their, they finally printing press had gotten going and it got to the point where like people could do their own printing in their own house. Like wasn't hit control P and print. Like it would take hours to kind of like get it to work, but you could make your own pamphlets pretty cheaply on your own. 
And J.C. Ryle specifically spent like 10 years making pamphlets and getting pamphlets ready with his sermons. Nobody was reading them. Nobody cared about J.C. Ryle, but he was getting his stuff ready. And these people were getting, you know, um, their, their little, the little pamphlets you hand out, uh, the tracks. They were creating tracks. They weren't going around the world with these things. These weren't, you know, going viral. But they were, they were creating them in their own hometowns, and they were affecting the people day to day. And Hudson Taylor, someone passed a track to him, and he became a Christian, and that completely changed all of world history, and especially that in Asia. We can't control the fact that technology will be used by evil dictators. We can't control the fact that technology is this massive thing that it can cause great pain. But you can control the technology you're using. You might not be able to go viral. You may not be the next world speaker, preacher, teacher that affects the world. But you can use what God has given you, the blessings that God has given you, your social media profiles, your time online to glorify God. Now, that's just not an excuse to go spend all day online and not spend time with your family or the people around you. Those are the people that should definitely take priority. But when you are online... How are you affecting? Are you just a reader? Are you just an observer? Are you putting nothing out there? Because I worry that if I put nothing out there, I'll be like the, uh, the servant who was given the coin. And what, did, what did you do? Well, I buried it in the ground. You have this technology that D.L. Moody could only dream of, right? And, and you just bury it. You don't do anything. You don't even engage the conversations. You don't even put posts out there. You don't share anything. Nobody knows you exist. I don't know. Is that the best way to use it? You're online all day, but you don't, you don't add. I think a lot of us are in danger of that. And I go, no, I don't want to, I don't want to have this access to technology and never add anything. I want there to be something of Christ, hopefully coming out of what I do. And even though it needs to be controlled, I need to not be addicted to it. I know that the technology wants me to be addicted to it. At the same time, we can reach audiences and we can reach people and we can certainly reach the people in our own lives. When they add us on social media, they engage with us and we can share Christ and like those pamphleteers or like those track guys, we can't affect everybody, but let our messages go out to the people in our circle. And if all the Christians right now just switched their on mode and said, with our social media, with our presences online alone, not even talking about all the other technology like cameras and everything else we could use, but if we just used what we have on our social medias, if we just turn all of them into beacons for Christ and we share good resources, we share good YouTube channels, we share good people and we share good quotes and we get engaged. I I think we could see a lot of good really come from that. And I think we need to, that's what we need to be doing. I think that, and there are many people who do it well, but I think a lot of us are just kind of quiet. We just don't do a lot. And I think that's something we need to work on. Work on changing is using that small sphere of influence and making it as much a positive. If you, if you are on social media, I, one of the things I did early on were my thoughts I started following a bunch of Christian pages, all different types, speakers, meme makers, all kinds of things out there. And it actually really, really blessed me. And my social media time went from a time of just watching what my friends from high school were doing or something like that to really learning a lot of information, reading stuff I'd never read before and seeing debates and things play out. And it was actually really, really positive. And even just a lot more Bible verses in my feed than it was before. And so I always recommend people do that. You have a social media, almost all of you probably do because you found us probably through Twitter or something like that. Um, go use it to gl or glorify God. And when God says, how did you use this amazing piece of technology that a, that a man like Martin Luther could never dream of? You can say, I shared Bible verses. I tried to be an encouragement. I didn't always do it perfect. And I think that that would be a really good thing. If all of us did that together, I think that that would make a real impact on the world. 
Alrighty, I think that is a great way to button up this revived conversation. Do you have thoughts about technology? Is there something that we missed that you really want us to chime in on? Uh, or do you have suggestions for future revived conversation topics? Uh, email is in the description of this podcast, revivethoughts at gmail.com. Give us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to take your suggestions and, uh, and talk about them. So thank you, dear listener, for being a part of Troy and I's rambles. <laughs> hopefully it wasn't too bad this is a bit of fun episode one i've been thinking about all right if you enjoyed this episode we also hope that you will share it with other people tell other people about what you were listening to and say hey um check out this revived thoughts episode maybe you say hey what do you think do you, are these guys right is this wrong do you know these stories did they mention dl moody too much in one episode probably uh, but feel free to send that, that around and ask your friends using technology, right? We're not going to be able to send that via a letter. So send that out there. All right. This is Troy and Joel, and this is Revive Thoughts. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.